And Keith, David, y'all did good to be put on the spot just like that. I, didn't you? Listen, congregation. Uh, be ready in season and out of season. You never know when you're going to be called on to give testimony to the Lord. Amen? Be ready to give Him the glory and honor. That's uh, good. Chris, Mary, we're so delighted to have you here. Um, we hope if you stay, uh, remember this is home. And as you're coming through here, if you're near and you need, you just come home. Okay? All right. We're here. We love you. So the Lord be with you. We turn in Scripture to uh, the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. And what a chapter this is in Romans chapter 8. It is um, one that uh, is mighty. And it is one is that is powerful. Um, God's great love. God's great love. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 31. Hear the word of God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And may God add His blessing to the reading of His holy and precious Word. Romans chapter 8 is perhaps one of the uh, the, the great chapters that we know um, from Scripture, uh, Romans is one of those books that uh, speaks clearly of the nature of the gospel. If you are struggling with where to uh, go in Scripture to to know the Lord, uh, don't just uh, do it random and just simply open the Bible wherever it comes to. You might turn to Leviticus and you might have to start there, and that's probably not a good place. 
<laughs> what I encourage you to do is go to a book like John that shows forth Christ in the wonder of who He is as the Son of God and the Son of Man and as Redeemer. And I encourage you the same way. Romans is that book that the Apostle Paul writes. Remember, he writes it out of a desire for the Romans where he is going as a prisoner and where his life will end. He writes this book in a desire for them to know Christ and Him crucified. And therefore, he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit the book of Romans about the gospel. As a matter of fact, the first part of Romans is about the nature of the gospel and the great truths of the gospel. Remember uh, Romans chapter 1, what, uh, verse 6, is it 16 and 17? Let's look. I'll, I'll read it to you. This is the way uh, Romans, in some sense, begins after the introduction. Verse uh, 16 through 18. Listen to this. Paul writes the introduction to the book. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Did you hear it? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What about the gospel? For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. That is Jesus, the light of the world. From faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. What else does the gospel bring? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Who revealed it from heaven? The coming of Jesus in the gospel. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And then the Apostle Paul proceeds and he goes forward and he unfolds and unpackages that gospel. Uh, quite accurately with regard to our nature in sin and our need. And then he goes forward and shows how God in His great mercy has met that need in His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He gave to be a propitiation for our sins and in which we find forgiveness. My question to you in the sermon this morning is what is the scope and of your understanding of what Christ has done for you. What is the scope of your understanding of Christ? Uh, did He just, just come into the world just simply to save you from your sins? Is that far as far as Jesus went in His purpose when He came into this world? No. No, I, I think not. Of course, that's critical, isn't it? <laughs> that's, a, that's a starting point, and that's certainly important. But one of the things as I've moved through the years, what God has done is unfolded the scope of His work in Christ for me in life and in my redemption. And when I began to realize what I've done through the years, I've understood this little bit about what Christ has done for me. And then a little bit later on, I understood a little bit more about this from Scripture but then all of a sudden, as I'm getting older, I realize how much is the scope of what Christ has done for me. And um, God forgive us when um, we make Christ little, when indeed He's great and wonderful. And the scope of His redemption is all-encompassing. And that He's all-sufficient. 
and all wonderful. And He is everything that, that we need for life and for salvation. That is the Christ that we come to His table this morning. We don't come to a table that's limited in terms of the things of God. And you know the joy of coming to the Lord's table? Because it gives the scope. You do show forth the Lord's death, what? Until He comes. And so you see what, what, what the table does, it roots us in the fact of what Christ has done in the past in the giving of Himself upon Calvary's cross to pay for our sin. His sacrifice has been brought into the present where we are Him with us in His sacrifice for us and the way He's leading us in life. And guess what? When we come as Christians, we also look to the promises. <laughs> you do show forth the Lord's death until He comes. <laughs> and He indeed is coming. And uh, everything in Lonnie's life will be laid open and bare before Him when I see Him face to face. Now, that's a little scary. And that should, when we come to His table this morning, we ought to recognize everything in your life is already laid open and bare before Him of whom you're going to have to give an answer. And, you know, the incredible thing about that is um, if we understand that truly as we come to the Lord's table, that we show forth His death until He comes, and when we see Him face to face, all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to answer for the things done in the flesh, whether good or bad. You know, we, we, uh, we may be in a, a, a spiritually dangerous position if we think just because Christ sacrificed for our sins and paid that price upon Calvary that, that we will not have to stand before the Lord as believers. Now, now, we will. Christians will have a different judgment in some sense than unbelievers. You know that to be true. But the idea that believers will not be judged is, is, is fallacious and it's wrong. And, and it gives maybe us presumption as believers. Um, and, and when I think about that, uh, don't you pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life now? to confess those sins and to come to his table and say, Lord, you know all. You remember Peter? Lord, he was so frustrated. Peter finally just came to the end of himself. <laughs> Lord, and, and the Lord's restoring him. And he just, after the third time, Peter was grieved in his heart that the Lord said, do you love me? And you know where Peter falls. He collapses upon the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Lord, you know all things about me. <laughs> Don't you? Well, Peter, you started in a good place. <laughs> Lord, you know all things about me. You know that I love you. And so, my dear friends, I love the song, God will not despise a broken and contrite heart. And that may be the only sacrifice I can give to the Lord as I come to the table. But sufficient is He who saved you to sustain you and to keep you. Amen? Amen. This is the Lord Jesus Christ that we know. And we may have rejoiced in that day that we were redeemed and forgiven of our sins in Christ and realized that He paid the price on the cross that we couldn't pay. But my dear friends, what a great joy to know that Jesus 
who is sovereign over all of our salvation and over all of His creation, that because of that great sacrifice, that there is nothing that the Lord is going to withhold from you as His child. Now, that's, that's amazing when you begin to think about that. And that's what this passage is all about. Paul has talked about the greatness of the elements of the gospel. Yes, I do confess I'm a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving His displeasure, without hope except through His sovereign mercy. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord, I do confess that sin. I do put my faith and trust in You as not only the Son of God, but the Son of Man. And I acknowledge You as the One who paid the price for my sin. And Lord, I rejoice that I have a Savior who has forgiven me. Did you know... But in that gospel, that's just the beginning of God's goodness through His Son to you. That's just the beginning. And that's what Paul comes to at the end of Romans 8. And you know how he comes to it at the end of Romans 8? After he's taken these six great principles of the gospel and he's unfolded them in the first seven chapters. He comes to chapter 8 and I think the reason that people love chapter 8 so much, because how does it start? But For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that in a world today? Don't we need assurance? Have you ever struggled with sin at times and said, Lord, do you, do you really love me? Look at me. I messed up again. Do you, do you, really, care, do you really care about me? And, and my dear friend, what's the answer? It, that, that, that may be Lonnie's uncertainty. That may be where Lonnie is today when he woke up. But you see, God is sure and fixed in His Son, Jesus Christ. And the deliverance and the salvation of His children, it's a done deal. It's, it's already been accomplished. And our certainty is not Lonnie's wishy-washiness <laughs> and his ups and downs. And he responds this way, and he responds, you know that, Lonnie. (laughs) The goodness of God in His Son and the surety of His promises in Christ. Because that's what we do. Our faith is in fact, isn't it? Not in emotion. Our, Our faith is in the facts of what God, the Father, has done through His Son already in history, and He's done it for who? For you. Do you think that God is going to turn back all that history and all that promise just because Lonnie's wishy-washy today? (laughs) Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, Lonnie needs to change. (laughs) He needs to get his heart updated to God's program, what God is doing in the life of His people. And it is a marvelous thing. You know how the Apostle Paul comes to this crescendo of understanding the gospel? He's so overtaken by the gospel and the truth of what God has done in the Son and the work of the Holy Spirit. He comes down to the end of it and he begins to think to himself, wow, how am I going to respond to this? Uh, how do I want the Romans to respond? How do I want Christians to respond to this? And it ends with basically uh, seven questions. Did you know that Romans 8 ends with all questions? <laughs> I think that that's pretty neat. 
And actually five of them apply, but the first one is just kind of a rhetorical question in the light of the gospel that he's opened up in Christ in the past. And what does he say in the first question? Well, what shall we say to these things? (laughs) Don't you love that? Well, wow, in the light of this gospel, what do we say with regard to these things? What do you say with regard to these things about what the Lord has done for you? And so he begins with that question. But that's not the ultimate question. The ultimate question, um, he comes along. And for those of us who may doubt, for those of us who struggle from day to day, for those of us who have had to face darkness of this world spiritually, for those of us who have had to struggle with uh, circumstances in our life that we wish that we didn't have to face or deal with, is God still present? And is His gospel still sure in all that trouble and all that difficulty? And I say, yes. And that's what the Apostle Paul, but he's saying it to you rhetorically. He wants you to respond. What shall you say to these things? What shall we say to the glory of this gospel that is in Jesus Christ and the scope of it? And he speaks to some of the scenarios uh, that might uh, deter us or seek to prevent us from trusting in the Lord and what He has done. Now listen to the questions. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, now that covers a lot of territory, doesn't it? How can I know that God is for me? If my focus is upon Him and His work redemptively. Do you know that that's how you can know that Christ is for you and not against you? If your life has been transformed by the grace of God and you know that Christ is in your heart and in your life and you're trusting in Him alone for salvation is offered in the gospel. He who believes in the Lord will not be disappointed. Don't you love that verse? I love that verse. (laughs) He who trusts in the Lord will not be disappointed. The Lord does not despise a broken and contrite heart. Aren't you glad of that one? Because sometimes I've come to the Lord in recent days and which I've said in my weakness, Lord, I just don't have anything else. I don't have any more. I'm done. Uh, that, that is an interesting experience to know that you're getting older. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord reminds you in very interesting ways. Well, then is He still my Lord? Does He still love me? And I still His child? Absolutely. Isn't that the purpose of Romans 8? To remind us of that reality? That in all the changes of life, Paul is saying, listen, in this gospel, in this trusting of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is the full scope of the experience of life until we get home. And it's grounded and rooting in what Christ has already done. As a matter of fact, as one songwriter said, your life is already hidden with Christ in the heavenlies. (laughs) Lonnie, your life is already seated with Christ in heaven. Already. Now, is that absolutely true in terms of my experience now? No. But it is the root of what we have in Christ. It is the scope of what He's done for us. Lonnie may not be able to fully see it right now. And sometimes his old arthritis gets him and sometimes other things preoccupies him. But my dear friends, does that change 
the reality that we belong to Christ. That we're not our own. That we belong to Him. And dear friends, if we belong to Him, it is not us who sustain our faith ultimately, but it is the Lord God who is at work in us, sustaining us and leading us and directing us in all of life through the ups and through the downs. This God's, maybe God will get tired of me. Uh, maybe he, he doesn't love me. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe He just won't put up with me any longer in my weaknesses. Any of those types of questions. And what I would do is, when you begin to doubt, sometimes that is the, the fertile place where the devil can really attack you because he knows your weaknesses. And so be careful of your thinking. Be careful of your thinking. Be careful that sometimes our minds are fertile ground where the devil can attack us in the way that we think. And that's why we need to pray each day, Oh Lord, grant me your spirit to have a heart for Christ and for Him as the Word of God and for His Word that my thinking might be tempered, that that it might be tempered and that I might know Him uh, as Lord and Savior. Well, uh, guess what? Our our time is gone and I just started the sermon. (laughs) Uh, uh, It was more than I thought. but 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 listen, listen to this. I'm going to read this to you, and we'll pick up next Lord's Day. But I'm going to read this section to you. And as we come to the table, remember the scope of the love of God for you in Christ. Remember that He has not only redeemed you from your sin and paid that price, but also He is your Lord who is guiding you this day. And all matters of your life are in His hands. And listen, we're going home. And guess what? We're already in His hands. Already. He who began a good work in you. What? You know it. Tell me. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to perform it until the day of the Lord. Rest in Christ. Trust Him, you who are weak and heavy laden. Come unto me, Jesus said, and I will give you rest for your souls. Don't you need sometimes just rest for your soul? This old life can get pretty tough. And I pray that God will give you rest for your souls and that you will just come to His table today. As the old song says, just as I am that you'll come trusting Him and saying, Lord, help me. Help me today. Help me to trust in what you've done. Hear the Word of God. What then shall we say? Listen to these questions. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? You see, God gave us His Son... What more could He give and what greater thing than He could give than His Son? And my dear friends, if God gave His Son for you, do you think He's going to withhold other things from you? (laughs) If He gave His only Son to redeem you, do you really think that He's going to withhold things from you? No, there's nothing, nothing beyond that that He would ever withhold that's good for your life. Nothing 
nothing. And I love it. It's He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died. Notice the centrality of Christ through all this. Do you see the centrality of Christ and His sacrifice? Who is the one that condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Yes, rather who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who is also interceding for us. Did you see Christ beyond the cross there? Did you see Christ beyond the cross? Amen. For you. For you. And then he goes on. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? And he goes through this whole list of things that can be devastating to us. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Because in this world he reminds us what? For thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. You're living in a fallen world, aren't you? He's telling, he's telling the Christian, listen, you're living in a fallen world. You are in a spiritual warfare. And you may even be a, 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 some of the damage as a result of a fallen world in the final analysis. But he reminds them, but in all these things... But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquered through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor print... Notice the spiritualness of that. Did you see the spiritualness of all that? For I consider that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It begins with the Lord in your life, and it ends with the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. And the whole matter of your salvation ends at His doorstep, not mine. Praise be to God who has saved us by His grace. Let us come to His table. If you've struggled in any way, come to His table and give it to Him who has saved us. Amen? Is He able? Is He able to answer your prayers? Is He able to help you in your struggles? Is He able? Yes, He's quite able. And He just appeals to you to come and sit at His table and trust Him with all of your life. Praise be to God. Pray with me. Lord, prepare our hearts this morning. We didn't finish the sermon. There's so much more. And Lord, we'll pick that up. But I pray that you would, by your Spirit, use uh, the elements of the sermon this morning to prepare our hearts for your table. Lord, help us to come and uh, rest our souls. Lord, some of us have been about so many things. Our life has been in a hurry. Lord, we thank You for watching over us even in our busyness. We thank You for leading us from day to day. We're amazed, God, as we go from day to day as Your children. We're amazed at what You bring into our life to refresh us and to show us Your will 
for our lives. Thank you, Lord, for being present with your children every day. Oh, how great a Lord we have. How great is His salvation in the life of His children. He will not be satisfied until that salvation is complete in His children's lives. Help us to know it today, Lord, as we sit around your table. In Jesus' name I pray.